Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. Open up your words tonight. We're going to be going tonight to the book of Philippians, okay? We'll be going to the first chapter of the book of Philippians. And uh, tonight, before we read from the book of Philippians here, let me catch us up. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about letters from prison, okay? Letters from prison, which I believe should hold a little bit of weight with us because sometimes those people who are in a place that you don't want to go and yet they are there succeeding and they are there, uh, they seem to have overcome a lot of the uh, you know, pressure and problems of having been in a place that we don't want to go. Sometimes whenever they speak to us from that place and speaking to us from a, from a standpoint, from a viewpoint, from a perspective of being, you know, of, of, of having overcome perhaps the shock, the shame, the hurt, the pain of being in a moment or being in a place in life that we wouldn't want to be, sometimes we need to listen to them just a little, you know, more, you know, just, just, just with a little more attention. And that's why these letters from prison that were written to the church by the Apostle Paul hold a little bit of extra weight. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. You know, the, the Apostle Paul was commissioned by the Holy Spirit as an apostle of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Think about that. The Gentiles means me and you. So here we are, as Miss Margaret has told me for years, that she believes the Apostle Paul is her apostle because she's a Gentile. And she believes that he was sent to make sense of the Word of God to us. And so uh, uh, there is a way. You know, the, the Apostle Paul, as we understand, was born about 5 A.D. Now think about it, A.D. 5. This makes him just about... 10 years younger than Jesus, give or take a year or two. You know, Jesus was not born in the year zero. Most people don't, you know, B.C. seems like it'd be before Christ, but they got the years mixed up a little bit. The way we know is because of the death of Herod the king that, you know, who, who was a, an enemy of Jesus. And so Jesus was probably born somewhere four, five, or six, you know, uh, somewhere in that uh, before Christ or B.C., before the common era. And so here this makes the apostle Paul uh, reasonably about, 10 years younger than Jesus. And, and um, Paul, uh, his parents were from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Benjamite. He was, uh, he, he, he was a Jew. He was born in Tarsus, which is in the south central area of the country of Turkey today, not in Israel. He was born even in another country. And uh, yet he was born in that particular time as a citizen of Rome by birth. So he had this privilege of not only being a, a, you know, born a, a Jew, but also born a Roman citizen, which gave him a little extra clout, whether he was with the Jews or whether he was with the Gentiles, because it was a much treasured and sought-after thing to actually be a Roman citizen. Uh, the only way to be a Roman citizen uh, is, is if you paid for it with your money or if you served with your life for 20 years in the military or if you were born a Roman citizen. Those were the most common ways, and it was a much sought-after commodity because as a Roman citizen, you know, you 
could not be tried and, and punished without appeal. And that's one of the reasons Paul was in prison. And also, you could not be crucified as a Roman citizen. There were some punishments that you were exempt from as a Roman citizen. And uh, one of them is crucifixion. And that's why the Apostle Paul had his head cut off and Peter was crucified. If you ever wonder those things, isn't that kind of interesting? But it was the law of that day. Well, uh, uh, at, at perhaps 12 years old, we don't know exactly, but we reasonably imagine that at about the year of, uh, you know, about the age of 12, Paul would have been in Jerusalem. He was either sent there by his parents or perhaps his parents might have moved there, but we know he was there for a purpose. He was there to learn the trade of becoming a Jewish lawyer. Okay? He was an attorney. That's what he was. He, he, he was being trained to argue Jewish law, to defend Jewish law, and to prosecute Jewish lawbreakers. Because there were Roman laws and there were Jewish laws. And the Jewish laws were given uh, authority over everyone who was a Jew. No matter where they lived in the world, they came under the local laws, but they also came under the, the laws of the high priest and the Mosaic laws. And so here, uh, the Apostle Paul trained for perhaps 14 years of his life to be a defender and a protector of the Jewish laws and a prosecutor of those who broke those laws. And it was a very serious thing in public and social life in every city to which the Jews would move and have a, 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 a Jewish community. And so um, the, the Apostle Paul evidently re did real well in his school because he got noticed by the people who were in the higher up echelons in Jerusalem of, of, of the Jewish community and the Jewish high court system. He even at one point received personal letters from the high priest that he could take with him and to go and find people who were breaking the Jewish laws in other cities and to arrest them and to bring them back as prisoners and to testify against them in the Jewish court of law and to even see them executed. This was the authority he was given at about the age uh, perhaps of 28, 29, and 30. And so here the, 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 uh, the Apostle Paul was most likely in Jerusalem at the crucifixion of Jesus. We don't know for sure. We don't find him there. He's not mentioned and he never mentions it. That's kind of odd, uh, but he was certainly aware of it. We do know that when the church started after the day of Pentecost, that the Apostle Paul was there and he was helping to search out and argue with and argue the law with those believers in the first church. In fact, whenever uh, the martyr a deacon in the church in Jerusalem named Stephen, you may have read that in the book of Acts, whenever he was executed, summarily executed by a mob of Pharisees, Paul was a member of that group. He joined the group, this conservative group of Pharisees who were very religious and were very you know, tenacious against Jesus and against the church. And so whenever Stephen, the deacon in the church of Jerusalem, was executed by a mob in public, the apostle Paul held their coats for them while they actually stoned 
Now, he would have, again, reasonably at this time probably been in his late 20s. And so we find him about 30 years old. Okay? And he has received some letters from the high priest in Jerusalem. And he is on his way to Damascus so that he can find Jews who have accepted Jesus as Messiah. Those who believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah that God had intended, they were an enemy to the Jewish state at that time and an enemy to the Jewish laws because they were teaching that, that they had been forgiven of their sins, not by sacrifice of animals, but by the sacrifice of a man. That this man was the Son of God. And for many, uh, everyone who did not believe, that was blasphemy. And so Paul, admittedly later in life, would find these people, arrest them, and bring them back and testify against them. And many of them were executed. He put to death those who were, were believers in Jesus Christ. He's about 30 years old, as I said, and he's on his way to Damascus with a group of people. And many of you know the story, you've read it. If not, let me encourage you to read the book of Acts. And a great light shined down. And it was Jesus, and Jesus spoke to him. And uh, he ended up going into Damascus, being led because the light blinded him. He had a glorious conversion. A man, a member of the church, uh, you know, believers that he was going there to arrest, actually came to the house where Paul was, laid his hands on him and prayed for him. And Paul's eyes were opened, his, his, his physical eyes were opened, but also his spiritual eyes were opened. He was saved, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was commissioned through the laying on of hands and prophecy to a ministry that God you know, began to unfold in Paul's life. But before Paul was, was actually effective in the ministry, the Apostle Paul uh, had, to, had to learn a, a few things. That's one of the things that Paul's life teaches me is that we need to be ever learning if we're going to be ever sharing. The Apostle Paul tried immediately to start preaching in Damascus. He really tried. Oh my goodness. He had been converted. He had been saved. He saw it different. Now the, the people he once persecuted, now he wanted to preach to them. But they didn't want to hear him because they thought it was a trick. They thought if, if he calls a meeting of believers, he starts preaching Jesus and we show up, he's going to lock the doors and arrest us. You know, it's just one of these tricks. And so they didn't trust him. And in fact, uh, you know, he not only was not trusted by the believers who were who were Jewish converts in Damascus but he also became an enemy of the very people that went with him to seek out and arrest those people and it ended up that he was really you know on, on fire for this Jesus that 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 it that some people were going to kill him and so he had to literally be be you know escape in the nighttime over a wall in a basket but you know with a, with a rope and you know and, and get out of there you know, and, and he tried uh, preaching a little bit more, but you know, nobody wanted to hear him, and he, and, and, and he was causing trouble. The Bible says he was wreaking havoc in the church. You know, he was. And then the Bible says that when Paul finally decided, I need to go and learn something before I start teaching something, that, that, that Paul removed himself out into the Arabian desert for perhaps three years. But as a as Paul leaves and leaves those people who had been walking with Jesus for, you know, for three and a half years in charge of stuff, and, and he stops getting in the mix. You know, sometimes well-meaning people can get in the mix and really mess it up, and that's what he was doing. The Bible says, then the church had rest. 
Isn't that interesting? I love it. Right after Paul gets out of the way, then the church had rest because Paul was stirring things up and he was causing trouble and he was bringing a lot of controversy at that moment. And God was not ready for that controversy at that moment to, to, to separate and to split the church. Well, a few years later, uh, there was a man named Barnabas who was in the church that was in Antioch. Antioch is north of Jerusalem, uh, today right in the edge of Turkey, right out of Lebanon in the edge of Turkey. And uh, uh, Barnabas just was wondering how, how's that old guy who got converted, Saul of Tarsus, now, you know, Paul, how, how's Paul doing? So Barnabas left the church and went and found Paul and brought him back to church. Isn't that neat that, that, that Paul joined the church in, in Antioch? Because a friend went and invited him. I like that. And there in Antioch, man, Paul, after having been taught by Jesus himself, as, 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 as Paul later declares, uh, that, that, you know, uh, here he considered himself a man born out of time. He considered himself, you know, uh, to be the least of all of those called by Jesus later on through life. He said, I'm not the least anymore. I come behind in nothing. You know, Jesus has invested so much in me that now I don't feel like I'm a nobody. I feel like I'm a somebody. And so uh, we find that, that, that the Apostle Paul in the church in Antioch started doing really, really, really good. And he got noticed by the elders and the leaders, but most notably by the Holy Spirit. So that the Holy Spirit spoke to the elders and the leaders in the church in Antioch and said to them, separate Barnabas and Paul for the work that I have called them to do. And so when they had prayed and fasted, they laid hands on them. You can read about it in Acts 13. Laid hands on them, and they sent Paul and Barnabas to do whatever the Holy Spirit led them to do. And that is one of the examples of a, of, of a church sending out missionaries into the world. And so Paul and Barnabas just took off walking, and they basically you know, uh, ended up through the next several years, uh, the Apostle Paul and leading other missionary groups uh, and, 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 you know, ended up walking all over Turkey, which was his home country, by the way. One of the things he did was first evangelize his home country. And so if we were to fast forward from that point about, you know, all the way to the year 51 or 52, from about the year, you know, 30 or so, 28, 29, 30, when the Apostle Paul is, you know, uh, uh, you know just getting into the ministry, just, you know, just getting into his calling or into his profession, you know, and then he ends up getting called by Jesus and gloriously saved. We go about another decade or so ahead to the year 51, 52. We find the Apostle Paul standing on the shores of what is now western turkey northwestern turkey on the aegean sea and he's at the city of troas many of you have been with me to troas i baptized last year uh, I, I baptized uh, you know several people right there at troas in in the aegean sea and the apostle paul has a vision and 
the vision that he has is of a man standing in Macedonia, Greece, across the Aegean Sea, just a little ways. You, you, you can see that far. And, and this man says, come over and help us. And he concludes from that vision that God is calling him on this new adventure to take the word of God over to Europe. And so he hops on a ship with his, with his entourage, his other missionary buddies, one of which is Silas, and they sail on this very short trip across the Aegean Sea. You know, it, it, it took part of a day. They spent the night on an island and took part of the next day, and they ended up in Neapolis, which is right there, you know, the, 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 the gateway, as it were, to the city of Philippi. In this port city, they got off the boat and they walked a short distance to the city of Philippi. And there, the Apostle Paul began to preach the Word of God for the first time, as we understand it, on European soil. And he was preaching, and people were being saved, and, you know, Lydia was saved. You know, you can read Acts 17, 16, rather, and you can read all about what Paul was doing there in Philippi. It ends up, of course, that he cast a devil out of a lady while he was there. That got him in trouble. He often got in trouble preaching the Word of God. And, and it ends up that he was, you know, stripped naked, he and Silas, and in, in the public square, and, and they were, you know, uh, beaten with rods, and they were thrown into a dungeon in jail. Well, the Apostle Paul was... You know, he didn't let this get him down. This did not cast some shadow, some dark shadow over his passion for lost humanity. In fact, what the Apostle Paul realized is this is my new congregation. You know, I'm in prison. Now I have a fresh crowd to preach the gospel of Christ to. And that's what he always, he always looked wherever he was and he realized that God has just given me another crowd. God's just given me another captive audience. And so the apostle Paul and Silas, although they were in chains and their feet were in stocks and they had been beaten with rods and, and they, they, you know, they were naked and they were, you know, tired and it was midnight. Nonetheless, you know, the prisoners were listening, the Bible says. So the Apostle Paul and Silas begin to pray out loud, and they're going to share their faith in Jesus Christ with a captive audience. And there as they prayed and they began to sing praises to the Lord in their midnight hour, the Bible says that God answered with an earthquake. And the earthquake shook the earth and opened up the prison doors and the chains fell off all the prisoners, and the prisoners were, were absolutely set free. And the jailer, of course, he was concerned that all these prisoners are going to, you know, the, the, the prison doors are open, the chains are gone, the prisoners are gone. I'm going to have to, to you know, uh, serve their sentences and, and uh, you know, whatever they were going to get, I'm going to get. And I don't want that. So he was going to kill himself. And Paul said, don't kill yourself. Everybody's still here. You know, right there, the church, the first church in Europe was birthed, birthed from you know, a foreign businesswoman and jailbirds. You know, employees of the government, no doubt their, their families, the Bible said, their whole households, their children. You know, a jailer. You know, I mean, uh, all kinds of people in that first church in Philippi. 
Much like the churches we see today all over the world, filled with all kinds and types of people from different cultures and customs, different backgrounds, with, with, with you know, different habits of life and different preferences, the church was birthed. And unfortunately, the Apostle Paul had to leave town. They let him out of jail, but he needed to leave. And so he went on his way, and he, he continued to preach the gospel in every city he came to. Well, fast forward from A.D. 51-52 and that Philippian experience. Fast forward another 10 years. The Apostle Paul is in another jail. He's in a prison in Rome this time. A prison that he will visit again, we believe, and ultimately be executed there. But in about A.D. 61-62, the Apostle Paul has already from that prison written three of the four prison epistles that we have today. He wrote the book of Ephesians, the book of Colossians, and the book of Philemon from that prison cell. And he is just sitting down as we catch him now in Philippians, the first chapter, to write his fourth and what we believe was his final letter during that period of incarceration from a prison in Rome to a people that 10 years earlier they had birthed a church in Philippi. He's going to write this letter that we have today, this book of Philippians, as a pastoral epistle. And He's writing it, first of all, to thank them. He's going to thank them for having sent money, sent financial support to him, and also sending encouragement to him by the hands of one of their church members who came from Philippi with an offering and with an encouragement to let him know that the church in Philippi was doing well. The man's name was Epaphroditus. And here the Apostle Paul now, this aged Apostle Paul, about five years, we believe, I believe, about five years before he's actually going to be executed there, he's sitting down to write a letter of thanks. And uh, he's, he takes a different tone as he writes this letter back to the Philippians. He takes a more, you know, a parental tone, a more fatherly tone. Because he's not going to get on to them, really. He's going to encourage him in a couple of things. But he's not really going to get on to them much. He's, he's, he's uh, more a paternal than perhaps in other letters. And he's going to emphasize the true joy that comes from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's going to encourage the believers to be humble in everything they do and know. He's going to encourage them to be self-sacrificing. He's going to encourage them to, to uh, you know, strive for unity. He's going to talk about a couple of ladies in the church by name who were causing problems because they were you know, uh, bickering with one another. And he's going to tell them, you know, hey, 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 quit your arguing. You know, church is, church is not the place to argue. Church is not the place to champion your own personal opinion. Stop doing that. And, uh, and, and, and then he's going to tell them how important it is to realize that the life that we are looking for on the other side of death is much better than this life. However, 
what we do in this life is necessary to the plan of God. And so we must pay great attention to how valuable we are in the hands of God and not just paying attention to what we want and what our comfort would be. And with these things in mind, let's turn our attention to, to Philippians, the first chapter, uh, as we talk about these uh, you know, letters from prison. And we're going to just read just a few verses here in the middle of the first chapter uh, to give you a little bit of, 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 of the tone of how the Apostle Paul is, is feeling and believing and thinking here. And he's doing a, just doing a tremendous job. What an example he is. But this gives us a little bit of insight, and I believe it will help us tonight as we, uh, in, in a moment, bring conclusion to what the Lord wants to say to us as he's teaching us how to be more like Christ tonight. Philippians, the first chapter, verse 12. He says, uh, remember, it's about 62 A.D. Paul is about 58 years old, 57, 58 years old. And he's been in prison now for maybe two years at this point. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Boy, there's perspective, isn't it? Because they knew what he went through. They saw him stripped and beaten and thrown in and run off. And, you know, and, they, they, you know, uh, and that wasn't the last time that, that, that he went to Philippi. He went back through there later on, on his way back to Jerusalem uh, uh, earlier than this. Uh, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually uh, you know, turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Uh, um, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Now, I want you to know that God has done so much here, even with me in prison, that the prison guards have noticed and everybody else has noticed that there's something different, that my change, that the reason I am here is because God wanted me here. The reason I am with the group I am with is because God wanted this group to know the love of Christ. And God sent me here, much like Joseph said whenever he was talking to his brothers. As, uh, you know, they had sold him into slavery. He said, I want you to know you did not send me here, but God sent me here. Don't blame yourself. God put me here because he knew that people needed salvation. He says, uh, you know, uh, it's become evident to the whole palace guard. Now, reading uh, this account in the book of Acts uh, uh, you, you can see that the Apostle Paul had been given at first a house to live in, in during his incarceration. And it was next to the palace. But it's quite possible that, a, that, that by this time he might have fallen into some disfavor, a little more disfavor. Nero was getting older, he was getting a little meaner, and, he, and by this time he had already... Uh, 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 
you know, divorced one wife and married uh, 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 his girlfriend, and his girlfriend and him had conspired and executed his wife, killed his wife, his first wife, and he had already done so many things. He was just kind of a bad guy, and uh, uh, Nero was one of the worst guys ever, by the way. Um, and uh, but but you know. It's possible that the Apostle Paul now is experiencing a little more persecution here. And later on, if you read the rest of the first chapter, you may find out, may find out why. It could even be some of the other preachers in town were preaching a gospel in such a way that it was uh, you know, uh, antagonizing Nero or antagonizing those who, who, who watched over Paul. And maybe they were tightening the screws a little bit on him. And uh, the Apostle Paul says that, that some of the preachers outside of the palace were preaching in such a way. They weren't preaching from, from, real, from a real heart. They were preaching hoping to add a burden to him, add, hoping, you know, uh, purposely hoping that, that it would, it would uh, uh, add pressure and more bondage to him. That's very interesting. We won't be going into that tonight, but I would encourage you to read that. It's quite interesting. Uh, and he says in verse 14, And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, realizing that God is the one that put me here for a reason. Most, you know, most of the brethren in the Lord, because they have become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. People realizing that I'm here because of my preaching. I'm here because I am, I, I, I am preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, while I'm here, they see the hand of God on me, and they see that, that God is working in me, and they see that no matter where you are in life, you can still be effective, and you can still preach the gospel no matter what situation you're in. You can be a light to people in darkness. You can still bring people to Christ without regard to where you are in life. It has caused other people not to worry about what it might cost them. My chains, seeing me in my chains, has made them bolder to stand up in their own lives and to preach the gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ with more confidence, with more boldness. Um, that's interesting. Uh, we won't go further tonight uh, because we've read enough to draw a few conclusions here. And one of the conclusions for this evening is the life of the Apostle Paul teaches us that life is a long game. Life is not a short game. Let me tell you what the short game would look like. The short game would have looked like when the Apostle Paul first got saved and people didn't want to hear him. It, his ministry would have lasted about that long. He'd have got fed up. He'd have said, well, they're just all a bunch of jerks. They don't want to hear me. You know, well, well you know, forget them. Because everybody gets their feelings hurt from time to time. Everybody gets shut down from time to time. Everybody's told no from time to time. And if he had played the short game, he would have went with his feelings and quit the ministry right there. If he would have went with the short game, whenever he got to Jerusalem, they wouldn't have listened to him. And uh, trouble, trouble, trouble. And somebody says, oh, you're, you're just a bunch of trouble. You need to get out of here so we can have some peace. He would have said, well, you know, just forget that. If he'd have been playing the short game, he would have quit at the first beating or the first stoning or the first shipwreck. If he's playing the short game, he would have stopped at the first offense. He would have stopped going to church because somebody don't like me. 
because somebody didn't shake my hand. Oh, this is getting good now. Come on. That's not in my notes. I hadn't planned to say this, but it's just rolling off. Somebody need to hear it. If he had have believed that life was a short game, he would have stopped a long time ago. But here he is in prison. He will spend a total of about five and a half or six years of his total life in prison. We believe he will be released a little after this point and then be reincarcerated and executed perhaps in about A.D. 67. Some imagine 68, some a year earlier. But, you know, we cannot afford to judge our success on a daily basis. We cannot afford to judge our success based on our last or our worst days. We cannot afford, as the Apostle Paul could not afford to judge his success because he went to prison, because he went to jail, because he you know, uh, got, got stopped, because he was told no, because he had a shipwreck. I mean, many people say, well, the Lord must not want me to do this. I tried it. I tried it. and It didn't work. I tried it. Well, try it again. Life is a long game. Reading through the life of David or reading through the life of the Apostle Paul, it confirms to me that God is bigger than my past and that life is always filled with future. What am I going to do with it? Because, you know, a year is going to come and go anyway. Two years going to come and go anyway. And something might happen that you didn't expect. Something might happen you believe God would never allow. You might have a trouble, a triumph. You might have a victory or you might have, you know, a, a, an absolute defeat. But life is a long game. It's not who gets there first. It's who's standing there when the dust settles. A second thing that I learned from this particular passage is that God will work with anything we give him. You know, from the Damascus road experience to the Philippian prison from Antioch to Ephesus let me tell you for certain God worked with everything Paul gave him God will work with everything we give him all things will work together uh, for the you know for the good of those who love God and, and 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 are called according to his purpose God will work with anything you will give him and if you're willing to give him if you're willing to stay in the game and give God every circumstance and situation give it to him he will work with it it may not always turn out the way you would have made it turn out but believe me God is in control you know, I might have thought as the Apostle Paul, well, I really expected to go here. I expected to go there. I expected this. By this time, I thought I'd have a, you know, a three-bedroom house, a boat, and a shotgun, and a pickup. Maybe, maybe not. But God will work with anything we give Him. And uh, just take the next step toward God, wherever you are. Wherever you are. Whatever situation you find yourself in this week, next week, next year, you know, uh, whether you're on top of a mountain or, you, or if you're in a valley, you know, if, if, if you're in the middle of your greatest day or in, 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 in a difficult time, take the next step toward God. Don't let, you know, winning the lottery keep you from taking the next step with God. Don't let a promotion keep you from taking the next step with God. Don't let your dream come true keep you from taking the next step with God. And don't let some difficult situation keep you from taking the next step with God. You know, there is always something we can do to please God. Uh, you know, the 19th verse of Philippians, the, the one 
the Apostle Paul says, for I know, I know the situation I'm in, I know this will turn out for your deliverance. I know what I'm going through is going to do you some good. Isn't that interesting? I know what I'm going through is going to turn out for somebody's good. Now that's, that's the Word of God. That's not just some blissful, you know, uh, uh, you know blank mind. Okay, uh, number three. The third thing I've learned is, is, is uh, in Philippians 1.21, if we were to continue to read. The Apostle Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. <laughs> you think this is good, you just wait. To live is Christ. If, if I live, I'm going to live for Jesus. And if I die, it's going to get wonderful. Uh, but he also said in verse 24, but it's more necessary for you that I stay here. I thought, oh my goodness, that's... that's that's an interesting uh, a turn on things because you see, life with all its troubles, trials, decisions, it's not always about you. It's not always about your comfort. It's not always about what's best for you. And that's what the Apostle Paul ends up saying. You know, for me to die right now in prison, for me to die now, it, it'd be better off for me. But it's not all about me. It's not about me, he said. It is about others. And we need to realize that our life is about others. The next crowd is waiting to hear about our faith in Jesus. The next crowd is waiting to hear about your faith in Jesus. The next crowd. What crowd is it going to be? I don't know. You know, maybe your AA group. I don't know. That was meant to be a little humorous. Maybe the folks that, you know... Maybe your, your, your dorm at college, maybe your dorm at county jail. I don't know. But your next group, the next crowd that you encounter, wherever it is, is waiting to hear about your faith in Jesus. Wherever you're going tomorrow, wherever you're going next year, the next crowd is waiting to hear about your faith in Jesus. And that's what the Apostle Paul's life shows us, is he went from place to place to place, finding the next crowd that was waiting on him to hear the gospel, to hear his faith in Jesus. And he did it in prison just by praying out loud and by worshiping the Lord in public. The Bible says the prisoners were listening, and they got saved. Where's your next crowd? I don't know. Where's your next crowd? But let's get ourselves ready, mentally, spiritually, to embrace the next adventure that God already has planned for us. <laughs> He's already got it planned for us. You know, what's the next job? You know, tonight, take those things to heart. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.